things with you guys. Some of you will remember that on Resurrection Sunday in April, uh, we were able to update you guys with regards to uh, where we are at with our building. And so if you're not familiar with our story, uh, there's a piece of land next door to us that we bought and we were able to, by God's grace, buy um, some land for our future home. And uh, when we bought the land, council allowed us to purchase the land knowing that we were going to rezone it uh, for the purposes of building a church there. But in the process of or post-buying it, uh, council changed their decision and actually denied us rezoning. Uh, but through prayer and, and hard work with people behind the scenes, uh, we have been given the, the go-ahead and they've changed their decisions and we are able to apply for some rezoning, which is really, really exciting. Uh, since then, we've been able to appoint a town planner and things are moving forward. And while this has all been going on, there have been uh, some people behind the scenes, namely a steering team and a design team and an architect uh, who, in faith, have been uh, working on what our building is going to look like. And a, a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, I was able to see the new design uh, with some of the leadership of, of the church, and we have uh, pretty much settled on the design of our building. And so the very exciting news is that on the 27th of May, we're going to be doing a big building reveal. And we're quite excited about that. In a couple weeks' time, uh, let me tell you, everyone who has seen what the design of this building looks like, their hearts just leap uh, with joy and excitement and anticipation um, of the next step in our journey. And so uh, we know you guys regularly do come uh, to church, but make sure you diarize the 27th. You don't want to miss the big building reveal. Uh, Really exciting stuff uh, to look forward to for uh, you to continue praying about and and the excitement uh, to grow uh, even more in your heart with what the Lord is doing. So diarize the 27th of May. And then we have just finished our series on money. And then with every series that we've been doing this year, uh, all of it requires us to be walking in faith and trust in what the Lord has been doing. And we realize that for us to be doing the things that we feel the Lord calling us to do, to be walking out in faith, trusting Him, we need to up uh, just the value of prayer in our lives. We realize that, and this is going to come up so much, that we can't do anything without the Lord. We can't do anything without his presence. We can't do anything without his power and his empowering presence in our lives, enabling him to do everything that we feel he is calling us to walk out in faith and trust and do, which is why we are embarking on this series called Abide. But here up front, we're really trusting that this series isn't just going to be another series. We go, that was great. I learned some things. There's a few things that I can put in practice. There's some, uh, some great things in there. We want uh, this to be different from anything else that we've preached here at Riverside. In fact, what we're trusting uh, the Lord for in this series is that as a church, we're actually going to be fundamentally different at the end of this. And if as a church... If our, if our DNA hasn't changed with how we trust the Lord, with how we uh, realize that apart from him we can do nothing, I think we would have failed in what we're trying to do in the next few weeks. We really want something to be catalyzed in us as we trust the Lord in ways that we've never trusted him before. Uh, we want things to happen in our lives corporately and personally that we trust him in ways we never have. We've sought him in ways that we never have. Our faith has never been like it is and will never be the same because we trust him to do what only he can do. So we're calling this series Prayer and Fasting. 
uh, there's some resources. Guys, you've got one of these. We really encourage you. There's some great articles in here. We've tried to put things in here that we really believe are going to benefit you and really kickstart what's going to happen in this series and and, and give us all what we need uh, to uh, really start this journey. In here, like I said, there's articles um, on how to pray, how to pray with your kids, how to do devotions, a number of things. There's a calendar. Uh, check the calendar. Uh, there's a whole month guide on, on how to pray and what to be praying for so that we can be praying together. In there, there's uh, some of the events that are going to be happening. It's, uh, it's only the prayer series events. The first one is next Wednesday. And really encourage you, all our life groups are going to be meeting here. And so your midweek groups aren't going to be meeting as per normal or we're going to be gathering here. If you're not part of a midweek life group, that's no problem. Uh, We're gathering here as a church to worship and pray together um, and to just gather to to pray as a church. We're so excited about what uh, is going to be taking place there. I know prayer meetings, uh, I don't know what your previous church background or experience with uh, prayer meetings are that you might be like, "Uh, no, I don't do prayer meetings. They're not fun, super boring. No, uh, this is going to be an exciting time for us as a church. We're really trusting even that God's going to be doing something in us on Wednesday nights. And like I said, there's going to be worship, there's going to be prayer. Come a little bit early, grab some coffee. We're going to enjoy each other's company. So that's 6.45 on Wednesday nights. Make the effort to be. If you've never been to a prayer meeting, what a wonderful time to start. If you're going like, that's a little bit too extreme for me as a Christian. Look, we're all about being stretched. And uh, we don't get stretched unless we do things that are difficult and out of our comfort zone. And so here's a wonderful opportunity to engage with that. You don't have to be part of a small group, just part of this church. It doesn't matter how long you've been coming. Come, there's going to be people here. We're going to pray and start trusting the Lord and, and really connecting with some of these things. Uh, part of the series are two challenges. We're really excited about these challenges. In your resource book, you're going to uh, see um, and, and, and read more about those challenges. Uh, the first one is going to be a fasting challenge. Yes, fasting. And you're going like, no, no, like I'm out. You've just spoken about money. Now you're speaking about fasting. Like, like what are you doing to me? But we're going to be speaking into some of the disciplines that come with seeking the Lord in greater ways. And part of that is as a whole church, we're going to engage in a fasting challenge. You can read about it. We're going to be preaching about it in a few weeks. Uh, But you might need to start preparing for that time so you can read about it and start prepping so that you can join with everyone in this community who's going to be be praying um, and fasting. Sorry, I'm just moving this over. This is a little bit bouncy and this whole thing is is wobbling. So uh, forgive me as I move off center. And then there's going to be a devotional challenge. Because what happens is, with praying, it's about seeking the Lord. Uh, It's about spending time in his presence and growing um, how comfortable we are with being in his presence, learning to hear from him. And and we're hoping that this is going to just kind of catalyze again you spending individual time with the Lord. Maybe as this year has gone on, uh, you've kind of maybe kind of gone off track with how you are spending regular time with him. It's a wonderful opportunity to kickstart that. Maybe you have never spent time during the day alone with the Lord, with your Bible open, trying to hear from him, praying your prayers out to him, reading scripture, engaging. Maybe that's something that's so foreign to you. There's so many articles in your resource to help you do that. And part of the devotional challenge 
is something that, uh, guys, you may be freaking out about this, but it's journaling. And maybe you're going like, no, it's not like Dear Diary, where you just kind of talk out your feelings. It's, it's not that. This is about you tracking and engaging with what the Lord is saying to you. This is you writing down. Maybe the Lord has impressed something on your heart. Maybe he is speaking to you about something in your life. Maybe there is some scripture that you're reading that he's wanting you to spend more and more time with. And then over the weeks, you can read back to see what the Lord is doing in and, and through you and what he's saying to you. That's the art of journaling. And in fact, in the resource book, there's specifically the article on praying scripture, and it speaks to the value of journaling. And we want to, part of the devotion challenge is to even step up and move to a place where you're writing down the scripture that you're reading, what you're praying, see what is the Lord saying to you. And we have journals for sale. We really want you guys to engage with this challenge. At this table after the service, they're only 20 rand. They're a high quality journal uh, and to really help you in what we're trying to do. But just uh, quickly, is there anybody who has their birthday today? Anybody's birthday yesterday or tomorrow? Yours, Zero, here we go. Uh, this is yours, Lynn. Uh, Lynn, you can exchange it if you want a prettier one uh, at the end of the service. And then is there someone who has never journaled in their life before but are going, okay, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to attempt to journal. Anyone here that wants to raise their hand? You've never journaled, but you want to give it a go. All right, Dawn, this is yours. Again, if you want to exchange it for a different one. Head to the table afterwards. But guys, I encourage you uh, to get involved with that as well. As you can see, uh, new to RPM is our library. And we're thankful to the volunteers who are going to uh, bring this resource to us as a congregation. And uh, you can engage uh, all of these books uh, like a library. You sign them out and you sign them back in. It's also a grace library, as I've experienced numerous times, that if you are overdue on your book, uh, you get a polite SMS, not a fine. Uh, but you get to engage with that. And what the library team have done is they've taken out all the prayer-specific books. And they've put it on a separate table. So if you're wanting to read more about prayer, into how to seek the Lord and, and things like that, there's specific books on that table. Again, unfortunately, that's first come, first serve on, I want to take out. And some have already gone out this morning. But if you're wanting to really dig into this and really step out in faith, engage with those books over there. Those are the prayer-specific ones. But hey, guys, I'm stoked. We've got a library um, here as well for us that you can start to engage with. But that's really just kind of getting things off the ground and, and some of the things about the series that we are just so, so excited about. But let's dive into the series tonight and get going. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 4 as a start. And uh, find verse 23. That's where we're going to be reading from. But man, oh, we've spoken about it already so much in the introduction, but why pray? When we look at uh, the New Testament specifically, we look at the life of Jesus, we see that he models prayer in a really intense way. Some of the things he says, I only do what I hear the Father telling me to do. Right the way through the life of Jesus, he's involved in ministry, he retreats and he prays. He's involved in ministry, he prays the whole night. He goes to pick the 12 disciples the previous night and day, he's in prayer before the Lord. Jesus tells the disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
The disciples say to Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. They witness everything that Jesus does, the miracles, how he speaks publicly. When they could have asked him to do anything, but they ask him, teach us to pray. They understood the source of Jesus' power uh, was rooted in his personal relationship with the Father that was facilitated by prayer. Again, we're going to go tonight into the early church. Uh, So much of the behavior of the early church was characterized by the way that they prayed. There's a quote by uh, one of my favorite authors, D.A. Carson. Uh, He goes, uh, the easiest and the quickest way to embarrass a believer is to make them publicly expose their prayer life. And something that uh, all of us would say, well, I wish I had a better prayer life. I wish I prayed more. And maybe even if we're honest with ourselves, one of the reasons why... Uh, All of us might be uh, a bit embarrassed about our devotions, maybe that we struggle with praying. Is if I had to say, raise your hand if you've been disappointed by something in prayer. I think many of us would put our hands up. And I think uh, in the church at large, there's just maybe this, this general disappointment with the Lord because we've asked Him for something. And it hasn't come through. Or we needed something and it, it didn't come through the way we wanted to. And, and we've been frustrated with that. And, and, and so we battle to engage with the Lord. Maybe our faith is low with praying. And we are going to be dealing with all of those things as we uh, go through the series. But tonight we're going to speak into the value of the praying church. And what happens when the church together prays? We're going to speak about personal prayer. And most series that you've heard on prayer deal with the personal aspects of prayer. But tonight we want to deal with the praying church. Man, I don't know if you guys followed the news over the last 10 days with what's been happening in North Korea. Has anybody been paying attention to what's been happening there? Right, a few hands have been going up. We uh, speak about a missions prayer meeting that we do as a church. Uh, Two prayer meetings ago, the focus of the prayer night was North Korea. We had a missionary uh, come from North Korea to share with us about what's going on in the country. And we had a number of things on our agenda for the night that we very specifically prayed for. And I was getting goose flesh reading the news this week. We prayed for the end of the war in Korea. We prayed for the demilitarization of uh, the two countries. We prayed for the nuclear testing uh, to be stopped. We prayed uh, for freedom for Christianity in the country. Now, I'm not saying it was our prayer meeting specifically, because I know that there are churches that have been praying for uh, years and years and decades for God to move in that country But some of the things that we very specifically prayed for as a church had happened in this past week with the changes that are taking place in the country. There is something that happens when the church gets together and trusts God. There's something happens when the church united, prays, and asks God for things to happen in nations, in countries, in cities. We saw it this week happen with, for the first time in something like 65 years, the presidents of those two countries met together in diplomacy. It's just incredible, the stuff that's happening. And I really believe that that is a direct answer to the praying church. I know for a fact because we prayed for those very things that are happening. We're witnessing God changing nations because churches were praying. If you look at the book of Acts, 
I'm just going to, as an introduction through the book of Acts, uh, if you fast enough, write down these references. Acts 1 verse 14 uh, talks about how the all joined together in constant prayer. That was a description of the early church. Acts 2 42, they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 4 24, they prayed for boldness, signs, and wonders. In Acts chapter 6, we see it's a, kind of the first time that uh, another kind of aspect of leadership is brought into the local church. And the reason they did that was because the apostles were uh, being frustrated with being caught up in administrative tasks and it was stopping them from praying. So they brought in leaders to help with administrative tasks so they could carry on devoting themselves to prayer and the teaching of God's word. So much was the value that the leaders of the church placed on, on spending time in prayer. Acts 9 verse 40, we see how people are praying for the sick and the sick are being healed. And there's other references where people pray and people are released from prison. They pray when they release leaders and, and set leaders apart. In fact, you can read every single chapter of Acts. And you will find almost in every single one of them, the church is praying. And, you know, a problem with the modern day church is that prayer becomes a supplement to what we do. We'll maybe open up our gatherings in prayer. We might close our gatherings in prayer. We'll maybe have a meeting and we'll say, hey, can, can you open up in prayer? Hey, can you close in prayer? And kind of that's how we do prayer ministry. What we see in the book of Acts and with the early church, prayer was their ministry. Prayer was what they did and everything else came out of them praying as one of the primary things that they did as a church. They were a praying church. It was kind of the heartbeats of the early church. And again, people go Acts, and I've had people ask, you know, what is the book of Acts, and is that the name? And some people go, well, it's the Acts of the Apostles. But some people argue that the proper name for the book of Acts is Acts of the Holy Spirit, because we see the Holy Spirit moving so much in the early church. We see so much of God's power present in that church and in the early church. And people ask, well, why don't we see that today? Maybe a, the reason is, well, we might see the power of the Lord in the local church like it was then if we prayed like they prayed. And if we prayed as much as they prayed. And if we prayed as, with as much faith as what they prayed. And if we were open to being uh, the kind of church that God desires and trusting him and seeking him and, and praying and asking him to do what only he can do. Let's uh, read our main uh, text for tonight. Acts 4 verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported uh, that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servants, our father David. Why do nations rage and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. 
Now, Lord, consider the threats and enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. Stretch out your hand, heal, perform signs and wonders uh, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There are a couple of things that happen in this passage and uh, that we're going to talk through tonight. My first thing is in verse 24. It's quite a descriptive way that they pray, and I love this. It says, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And I grew up in a very Baptist tradition, pretty much got saved in a Baptist church, was discipled and grew up in a Baptist church. And there's certain things that happen, and maybe this is something that you've experienced. And part of my experience in church was worship is kind of just the thing that you do to full time to get to the sermon, which is kind of the main reason why we've gathered, and then you leave. And sometimes, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Baptist sandwich, uh, which is uh, two songs, a welcome, a song, announcements, uh, the sermon, and a closing song. And you know, you can almost go to any church and you can kind of predict uh, the order of which things are going to happen. And we kind of get accustomed to uh, the rhythm or, or the kind of the routine of, of a Sunday. And what we can fall into the trap is kind of compartmentalizing everything that happens. Okay, well, this is the singing part. Okay, now I can sit down and listen to the announcements part while I get ready for the sermon part. But what I love about the description here is the description of their gathering is they raise their voices together uh, to the Lord. It doesn't talk about the sermon. It doesn't talk about any sort of worship or singing or kind of how they were behaving. What describes their gathering was their voices together out loud in prayer. Now, I've also, uh, I'm white, and so I pray like a white guy. And uh, uh, I spent four years studying um, at a university in the Cape Flats, and I got exposed to different prayer styles. And uh, I had a, a flatmate uh, who was Zulu, and uh, him and his mates taught me how to pray. And I don't know if you've ever experienced an all-night prayer vigil where everyone prays out loud at the exact same time. Uh, there's some incredible things that happen, but when you're also trying to fall asleep because you uh, can't sustain that kind of a prayer life, uh, it sometimes gets a little bit tense. But I just loved the, the value and the heart and the description of what was going on in this church. In this gathering, together they raised their voices out loud. And so this is what I want to encourage you. We're speaking about a shift in our DNA. Part of the mistake and the trap that we often fall into as a church is that we come, we sing, we hear a preach, we go. I want to tell you that you are free to do other things when we gather. So while we worship, you can pray. You can pray out loud when you're worshiping. And there are going to be some times of encouragement uh, from the person leading worship where they're going to say, let's turn our voices together to the Lord and you're going to be encouraged to pray out loud. You might have never done that before. You're going to think we're weird as anything. But we want to move to a place where it's not this thing of, oh, it's the singing time and it's the preaching time, but this is all a, a, a time of worship to the Lord. Because we want to be a praying church. And there's something that happens when the church prays. 
And so we're going to have times where we're going to call each other to pray out loud to the Lord. And we want you to do that. If you don't know what to pray, pray what's on the screen. Some of the songs we sing declare the wonders and the truths of the Lord. If you don't know what to pray, pray that. And again, this might freak you out, but it shouldn't. We've taught on what the Bible teaches about tongues. And uh, what we believe is that the primary use of it is personal edification. And if we're gathered together in worship and you so desire that the Holy Spirit is overtaking what uh, you're praying in your worship and you feel that the Lord is, and the Holy Spirit is leading you to pray in tongues, you're allowed to do that. People often wonder, well, what about interpretation? Think in the corporate setting, very rarely is there a, a time where it is a corporate tongue required for a, a, a corporate interpretation. So as long as you're not distracting people around you, pray. If you have the gift of tongues, pray in tongues that you may be edified in your time of worship. Man, if you've just been moved by a song and it's a little bit quiet, pray out loud. If you're moved, we can be edified by what the Lord is doing in you and lead us in prayer. You're allowed to do that. We're gathered as believers and we should be comfortable as believers to pray with each other, in front of each other, out loud with each other. Obviously not to distract and disrupt what the Lord uh, is doing. But this description of the church, I love it. Together they lifted their voices in prayer to the Lord. Man, that that could be what starts to describe us as a congregation, that when we gather, we are praying, trusting the Lord to do what only He can do. Another description of the church is that they prayed for boldness. Look at what it says in verse 29. The context of this is uh, Peter and John have been arrested, they've been in prison, they're being beaten, they've been released, they go back uh, to uh, the church. Now, this is a time of persecution. This is a time of fear for the local church. There's a pressure coming. They're trying to squash what they're doing. They're trying to squash people from speaking about Jesus. And now they get to pray about what's happening. And I love this because given the opportunity to pray for anything, this is what they pray. Excuse me, in light of everything that's happening, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. The religious leadership of the time, the Sanhedrin, uh, the religious authorities, they're trying to stop people speaking about Jesus. They're arresting people for doing that. And the response of the church is, and, and what would your response be in this situation? God, make it stop. God, give us freedom. God, take this away. They don't pray that. I love what they pray, and I love the heart of the early church. They kept praying about the mission that God had called them to. Never once did they pray outside of mission. God, don't take this, or or they didn't pray, God, take this away. They said, God, give us greater boldness. In face of persecution, in face of jail, in face of the persecution that's coming to them, they asked for the Lord to give them greater boldness. And ask the question, what are you and I praying for? What dominates our prayer life? What are we asking the Lord for in our own lives? And what are we asking the Lord to do in this church? I love thinking about the scenario. Scenario doesn't exist, but I imagine if it did exist. Um, So here's the scenario. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are up in the throne room and... 
they decide, Jesus, he, he turns to the father and says, let's do this. Uh, there's Craig, and just for fun, the very next thing that he prays, let's answer it 100%. Whatever comes out of his mouth, whatever he prays, let's just do it. And the Father, the Holy Spirit, they go, okay, we're in. No matter what he asks for, the very next thing, without holding back, we are going to answer it. And so there's a little bit of anticipation. I... Um, open my mouth to pray. It's kind of like bated breath in heaven because they are going to answer 100% what I asked for. And I pray, dear God, I'm on my way to the Mall of the South. I would like a parking close to the entrance. Please, can you help me out? And I just like imagine the disappointment. Like you could have asked for anything. We would have answered 100% what you asked for. And all you prayed for was a parking spot. How would our prayer life change if we knew that God would unreservedly answer no matter what we asked for? And I love to use that as a way to fuel my prayer life because I want to be praying for greater boldness in my life. I want to pray prayers that if God just so happened to answer exactly what I prayed for, I would not have prayed for a parking spot but that I'm praying for things like revival, that I'm praying for things like my friends to get saved, that I'm praying for people who need healing to be healed, that I'm praying for God to empower me by his spirit so that I would not be ashamed of the gospel, but that with every opportunity I have, I'll be faithful to speaking his word and his salvation to people who need to hear it. If we believe that God would answer, how would that shift our prayer life? They could have prayed for anything, they pray, God, make us bold. Love the faith. I love what they're trusting God for. It goes on to the next thing. They prayed for his empowerment. They prayed for the power of God to be present. Look down at verse 30 and 31, part of what they're praying. It says, stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders uh, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And, the, and uh, after they prayed, uh, the place they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Some amazing stats in the book of Acts. Uh, the Holy Spirit is mentioned about 59 times in the book of Acts. Of those uh, 59 times... Uh, 36 of those times it talks about how the Holy Spirit spoke now again uh, when people say well the Lord has spoken to me weird things have happened and we are not a weird church I I think Um, and uh, we with great humility seek the Lord and try to be faithful to his word but we have to uh, be aware that in the book of Acts 59 times the Holy Spirit is present Uh, 36 times the Holy Spirit speaks And I love how in every single chapter the church prays. And this praying church is seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit is present and the Holy Spirit is speaking to his church. And at the same time, healings are taking place. Miraculous signs are taking place. People are being set free from all sorts of things because the Holy Spirit is present in the church because the church is praying. And I love that. And they pray for the power of the Lord. One of the ways that we know that the Holy Spirit speaks is through uh, the gift of prophecy. 
And as a church, we practice uh, the use of the gift of prophecy. I am not the only person who the Lord uses to speak to this church. Steve is not the only person who the Lord uh, can use to speak uh, to his church. And we encourage people seeking the Lord and being used by him to speak. Again, we do this with great humility. Uh, We trust and we practice great discernment when people feel that the Lord is saying something to them for the church. But this is something that we practice. Again, a way this is, is done is in both our AM congregation and our PM congregation, there are elders present uh, at the front of the church. And if you feel that the Lord um, has laid something on your heart, a word uh, for the church, uh, the way you do it is you just come uh, to one of the elders up at the front. You would come to me, um, usually at the front in both the AM and the PM uh, gatherings, and you can say, look, I feel that this is maybe what the Lord is saying. Some of you guys have experienced this. I'll then pray. We'll be discerning what the Lord is saying, and, and then we'll move from there. And if we do feel that this is a word for the church, we'll kind of stop what we're doing, and we'll engage with that, because if the Lord is speaking, we want people to experience the power of the Lord. And we want God to be speaking. We want God to be present here. We don't want a nice, cute, safe church. We want an empowered church. We don't want a church where we sing some songs, we enjoy a message, and we go home. We want to be engaging the power of the Lord. How many times in the book of Acts, the place where they're gathering was shaken because the Lord was there. And what we want to happen is we want to have meetings where the Lord is present and the place is shaken. We want the presence of the Lord to be here so that people who need to encounter the physical presence of the Lord encounter the physical presence of the Lord. We want people who need to be set free from things are set free. We want people who need healing to be healed. We want people encountering the presence of the Lord. We're not chasing experiences. We know there are churches who try to create experiences. That's not what we're about. We're about the empowering presence of the Lord. And we want his presence here when we gather. But that comes from people abiding in the Lord. It comes from us as a church seeking the Lord and asking for his empowering presence. We shared a story this morning. Uh, Steve and I heard it many years ago, and both were greatly um, affected by the story about a pastor in Hawaii called Wangadero, mega church pastor uh, that lost the use of their venue at a short notice. And they struggled to find a venue, and they had to pitch um, a tent in a public area. And it was in spring, and so weather was very temperamental. And over the weekend, uh, churches in the States sometimes have like a Friday service and a Saturday service and multiple Sunday services. This was kind of one of those churches. And they were really concerned about uh, the effects that the weather um, would have on the church. And then the Friday night there was, or the Saturday night there was a bit of a drizzle. It was affecting equipment. It really affected uh, the turnout of the church. And so uh, as the main pastor, he's praying fervently uh, through the night, going, God, stop the rain. God, stop the rain. God, stop the rain. God, stop the rain. Uh, in the morning, the weather's looking really bad. And uh, the story's quite funny where he shares it because... Uh, He then starts to pray in all the different ways that he knows people pray. So he starts to like name it and claim it and and starts to do all of these different types of praying. But as he was nearing his church, he really felt the Lord speaking to him in such a way that he actually had to stop the car. 
And what he felt the Lord saying is, you desire the absence of rain more than you desire my presence in your gathering. And it shifted him so much that he got out of his car and he repented before the Lord. And he stopped praying, God, stop the rain. And he started to pray, God, bring your presence. Because the only thing we actually need as a church is not fantastic worship. You don't need a great preach from me. You need the presence of the Lord. And every single one of us need more and more of his empowering presence in our lives. And that is what we need to be trusting for. That's what we need to be seeking for. That's what we need to be abiding in him. That's why we need to be opening our Bibles every single day. That's why we need to be praying and asking God for more of his presence, more of him revealing scripture to us, more of him empowering us as a church. We can never achieve the mission that we feel God is calling us to here in the south unless we have his empowering presence in our lives. We want to be an empowered church, not a nice church. We don't want to be a safe church. We don't want to be a cute church. We want to be an empowered church. An empowered church is a messy church. And if you're going to pray, God, empower us as a church, if that is going to be your personal prayer for Riverside, you need to be prepared for what uh, that happens or what, what happens when we pray that. If you have been burnt by churches in the past, you need to be before the Lord and asking him to be healing you for that because when his presence comes, people are healed. When his presence comes, lives are changed. And that is what we're trusting the Lord for. We are always uh, going to be striving for greater worship. We're going to be stewarding our gifts. Our music teams, they practice. They practice hard because they want to steward their gifts well. Our serving teams are stewards, and they're going to set up well every week. I'm going to steward my preaching gifts as I try and get better and better at preaching. But that means nothing if the Lord isn't present. And so we always do what we're going to do to the best of our ability, what we trust and desire and seek the Lord for him to do what only he can do. And then the final thing about this empowered church is that they then went out in faith. So that at the end of that chapter, verse uh, 31, and after that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Again, we don't want to just come here and leave and nothing happens. If people's lives aren't being changed by what we're doing as a church, we're doing it wrong. We want lives that are changed and empowered, that we gather And after we gathered, we filled with greater power, Uh, we're fired up for the Lord, and we leave and we walk out and we live our lives by faith, and we speak the word of the Lord boldly. What we're trusting for is empowered Sundays, we're trusting for empowered uh, midweek gatherings, we're trusting for empowered small groups, for empowered children's ministry. Uh, I love what's happening, and I mean, I speak about my children all the time, but I heard a wonderful story from our buddies' leaders uh, that my daughter, who is two, has started to copy the praying of our leaders. So they will pray, and she repeats uh, the sentences that they're praying. And she's two, learning to pray, that we can have empowered children's ministry with the Holy Spirit present there because they're discipling our children, not just providing a place to entertain them while we're in the main meeting. 
We are trusting for empowered ministries and empowered lives so that when we leave this place and and we're the scattered church, that we're empowered in our workplaces, empowered in our homes, empowered in our social gatherings, that we're seeing the power of the Lord everywhere we go and that when we gather again, we're having empowered meetings and leaving again to empowered workplaces and empowered universities and empowered high schools. That's what we're trusting the Lord for. So again, I encourage you, Come to the prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. If this is the shift that you are trusting the Lord for with us, if this is something that you really want to see happening at Riverside 645 on Wednesday night, you're going to gather with us so we can start moving towards being a praying church. Grab a book on prayer. Start equipping yourself. Buy a prayer journal. Set your alarm uh, for half an hour early tomorrow morning so that you can get up and that you can pray for the Lord to empower you for the day that you have, for the week that you have. Start praying for your family. Maybe that's something you've never done before. We're doing a prayer walk. At the end of our fasting, uh, the the fasting challenge, uh, it's going to end on the 2nd of June. And we're going to end and break the fast by gathering on our land We're going to pray for our land, pray for us as a church, for God, again, to just give us more and more of his presence. We're then going to walk out our main gates. We're going to walk out into our streets, praying for our community, for God to move by his power. We're going to come back and then break the fast together as a church. It's something that you can practically think ahead of and doing and start doing. But guys, we want to move from being a church that maybe has prayer meetings to be a praying church and just think through what will happen if all of us gather together corporately and in our private spaces praying, Lord, do what only you can do. God, give us more of your presence. And if your only prayer is, God, your presence when we gather. And as we do that more and more, we're going to see the presence of the Lord uh, moving in greater power and lives changing as we then act in faith. One of the things that we're also going to be doing, and look out for this date, is that we're going to be doing some training on how you can pray for people. Because again, we want to move to a place where we actually do prayer ministry. You've heard me say a number of times, if any of you want prayer, come meet me at the front. But what we want to do is equip more and more people and release more and more people to do that. Because if you are in a place where you need the Lord, that this becomes a space where you can go, I actually need the Lord. I need to be set free from this. I need healing. I need breakthrough. I need his presence. And that you can know that there are going to be a team of people who are going to pray for you. And as we trust that the power of the Lord is here, that he will meet with you and he will set you free. You will encounter his presence. Are you ready for this journey? All right, why don't you stand with me as we pray? Again, this is a, a practice that we, um, that we love doing as a church. And the practice is just of us uh, surrendering, uh, opening up our hands in surrender, in receiving from the Lord. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of surrender. It's a posture of saying, God, I, I, I know that these things are hard, but I'm, I'm open to what you're doing. So why don't you in that posture just uh, open up your hands uh, to the Lord. And as I'm praying, pray these things. God, I want more of your presence. 
God, I, I lay down all the, the, the petty things that I, I worry about. God, what I need most in my life is your empowering presence. God, the things of this world do not compare to who you are. And the things that are going to get me through my trials, they're going to get me through the hard things of my life is more of your empowering presence. And God, I ask, I ask for more of you. God, I want to pray and ask, Lord God, that first and foremost in my mind would be more of you in my life. That that would define me as an individual, that would define us as a church, that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and be the center of everything that we do. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So we ask for your spirit to come and fill us and fill this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us freedom. Freedom to raise our voices to you in prayer. Freedom to trust you. Freedom to walk out in faith and boldness, Lord God. But that we would encounter your presence here. Lord God, turn us into the praying church. Not that we do prayer meetings, but that we pray. That it is who we are as a church and what we pray for most is your empowering presence to enable us to do all that you've called us to do. Grow our faith and trust in that. And to that we say, Amen.